Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. So I'm going to start um, with Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. And what we are going to talk about quickly this afternoon is our flesh versus our spirit. Living in the flesh versus living in the spirit. So Galatians 5, 16 through 25. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not know what you want. <coughs> no, so that you, not, you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I love that last part. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What that scripture says to me is that The Holy Spirit sets the pace for your life. You don't want to run ahead of and you don't want to lag behind. But if I am in tune with the Spirit, He sets the pace and the cadence for my life. The other thing that I love about this is this scripture says that your sinful nature was crucified with Christ. Live by the Spirit and the two are at conflict with each other. So sometimes I think that we maybe use the flesh or temptation a little bit as a cop-out. And sometimes I think we overthink things, whether it is temptation from the enemy or is this, you know, the, the spirit or what is it, right? But I want you to think with me, most of the time, if not all of the time, and I am pretty much black and white, so I would venture to say all of the time. It isn't a matter of whether you know what the Spirit is saying to you or not. It's a matter of are you willing to do what the Spirit is saying to you or not, right? So it isn't like I am at a party and somebody is smoking pot and they offer it to me. I am not ever sitting there going, should I smoke the pot? Shouldn't I smoke the pot? God, please give me the answer, right? I know I should not smoke the pot, right? That's not even the question. But the question is, am I going to do what I know the Spirit is telling me to do? Same thing. 
uh, Saturday night, I'm at my boyfriend or girlfriend's house, things are going too far. Do I go on and have a sexual encounter with this person or do I not? That is not, oh Lord, please speak to me. Tell me what is the right answer. I know what the right answer is. So the question isn't, can I discern spirit versus flesh? The question is, will I obey spirit over flesh, right? So all of the things about living a godly life and understanding the Lord's will for my life and living by the Spirit, it isn't nearly as complicated as we make it. He even gives us like gauges, okay? If there was a question, <coughs> here's things that are obvious. The word he uses is obvious. These are obviously flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, rage, all those, okay? And the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. So if you are in one of those moments where you're like, I don't know what the Spirit is saying, <coughs> which list does it fit into? Is it jealous, rage, envy, hatred, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control? It's really spelled out really well. The Holy Spirit is doing his job of helping, bringing truth, and guiding. But the question is, are we listening to the direction to obey it? Okay, it's really a lot simpler than we make it. So the questions that I want you to be thinking about um, regarding the flesh or temptation are what are the main temptation struggles that you personally face and it's interesting to me too that this also isn't super complicated you probably have three or four things that are the buttons that the enemy knows he can push with you there are certain things that do not tempt me right i would not ever be tempted to do xyz it might be what tempts you, though. But there are three or four things. One of them is insecurity. If I can get insecure, I can fall really quick into uh, self-protection, orphan spirit, you know, don't trust anybody, isolate, all those things. Um, I haven't ever struggled, for example, with homosexuality. That doesn't make one worse than the other. It means this is much more easy for me to fall in temptation than this, okay? So you need to be able to identify these are the three or four things that the enemy can really push my buttons on. These are the things that he's coming after every time when he comes for me. You need to be aware of what your open doors or the cracks maybe in your armor could be. So you need to think about today and write down somewhere what are my main struggles with temptation? What tempts me? The next thing I want you to write down somewhere this afternoon is what are the main negative emotions that I deal with? Is it um, guilt? Is it shame? Is it jealousy? Is it insecurity? Is it pride? What are the negative emotions that you struggle with? Then I want you to list people that you regularly have negative emotions toward. Are there people that when you start to feel 
kind of bad, something kind of, you know how when it kind of can descend on you, even like a fog, and I start to get into this funk. Are there people that come to my mind and I have these negative emotions about? I want you to write those down. Um, those might be people that we need to work on some forgiveness with. We're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness tonight. And then is there a relationship in your life that you think the enemy has brought division? Is there a relationship in your life that you feel like the enemy has brought division? And um, I want you to write that down. And again, if, if the answer is no to these, there's no person that I think negative things about. If there's no relationship, then that is wonderful and true, and we're not trying to force you to think something that isn't there, okay? So what are my main temptations? What are the negative emotions that I most often feel? Are there any people that I chronically feel negative emotions toward? And is there a relationship in my life where the enemy has brought division? I'm going to read you 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the enemy not only attacks us through our own negative thoughts and through our flesh, but also sometimes through past trauma. And sometimes there are things that happen to us and we just get through it. And we get through it the only way that we know how because we have to survive it. And the enemy can use that open wound, it's like a gaping open wound, to attack you and to cause you to think things and perceive things differently going forward than what they actually were. Now, I'm going to share just a couple of mine um, just so that you can start to think about if anything like this has happened in your past. Um, I was in a physically abusive relationship in high school, and I ended up having a pregnancy my senior year of high school. Um, My dad was our youth pastor, and when I told my dad that I was pregnant, we decided I should have an abortion because we didn't want people in my church to know that I had been having a sexual relationship. So my dad and I went and I had an abortion. And that was traumatic. Um, All of that was traumatic. I was choosing and willfully living a sinful lifestyle. I was being, I was being treated terribly, not like anybody should be treated. And then I chose to have an abortion. And the thing about abortion is 
when a person finds themselves pregnant, first of all, I've never met a person who would say, I would want to have an abortion because I think that would be a great thing to do. That would just be wonderful. But they're in a very difficult situation and they feel like that's their only way to get out. And abortion seems like an eraser, like a do-over. Like if you hurry up and do this, erased, you don't have to think about it anymore and everybody, nobody really has to know, we can go on, right? It's not that because sin is never that. You know, the word says your sins will find you out. So the enemy constantly tells you lies like, well, if you just hurry up and do this, if you do this, you can keep it hidden. Nothing stays hidden. Even if we think we're doing a good job of hiding, when traumatic and sinful and hurtful things have happened, they fester out. There's no way that I can keep this painful poison that is death to my soul hidden and be able to mask that where nobody around me knows. They might not know exactly what happened, but they know something happened because we cannot hide sin. So those two things, very traumatic. Um, Then... um, there is another, I've, I feel like I've had a pretty traumatic experience with being abandoned, where somebody in my life who was supposed to be in my life for all of my life is no longer in my life at all by their choice. And um, that causes, you know, feelings where you're like, I can't trust anybody. I can't, you know, I'm going to build this little wall and I'm going to love people over there. But nobody is going to get in here, Right. And so you start to operate from a wound rather than coming boldly before the throne of grace to a God who understands and say, man, this is the part that I own. This is the part that other people did to me that I did not deserve. And I need healing and I need help. But if you don't do that, either with temptation or with negative emotions, hurtful emotions, or past trauma, then you just have all of this gaping wound inside, and we try really hard to put makeup on it and dress it up and work it out, and we can't. You are not the healer. You cannot heal yourself. You need Jesus, and you need a touch from the Savior to heal all of those places. The other thing that I think is important for us to think about is when I just actually saw this uh, when I was studying just a few minutes ago. Oh, this is not my phone. I want to read this to you. Well, maybe I'm not. It says, uh, Christ gives you forgiveness. Confession brings you healing. Confession brings you healing. You know, it says in James, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Now, when I have sin in my life and I fall into temptation or whatever, um, Jesus is the only one that can forgive me, right? So I go before the throne and I ask for forgiveness and he gives me forgiveness immediately. But what happens is if I keep a secret and nobody else on the face of the planet knows it, 
And I'm like, I'm good. I got forgiven. Jesus knows. Dunsky. And now I'm not going to tell anybody. What happens is the enemy blackmails you. And he says, what if anybody knew that about you? I mean, what if anybody knew that you slept around in high school, you let the guy beat you up, and you had an abortion? What, if, what are people going to think about you? What if I told? What if it got out that you really think these things? I mean, what a horrible person you are. And the enemy will torment you with this blackmail of like, boy, I got you. But what happens when you trust another person and you say, I've dealt with this with the Lord, but I need this in the light. And I need somebody else on the planet to know that I did this. Well, no one has ever reacted to me the way the enemy told me they would when I've told them about my past. But you know what? He can't blackmail me with that anymore. I, whoever can know, I am the one that was a train wreck, messed up, sin-filled person. But do you know Jesus changed all of that and redeemed me and picked me up and set my feet back on the path? And I don't care who knows or, frankly, what they think about it. Because I know what the Lord has done in my life. That's the same for you. When I keep a secret, the enemy has the power to blackmail me. And I'm not saying you have to get up in front of a room full of people and tell your darkest secrets. But I'm telling someone in this world needs to hear you say out loud the pit that the Lord pulled you out of. Because that is what will break the power of the enemy over you. Um, ask the Holy Spirit if you have any traumatic things that have happened in your past have any of those things impacted my relationship with other people or with God has my past trauma impacted my relationship with other people or with God and out of those events were there negative messages that I have accepted about others, God, or myself. Because of that past trauma, did I start to believe things about God, other people, or myself that are untrue? And then the last question that I want you to spend a little bit of time thinking about is, <clears throat> and we don't often think about this, but sometimes positive events can have a negative impact on us. For example, if you were valedictorian of your class, or you were the best musician ever in you know, the state of Texas, or some huge thing that you did that was awesome, if I allow, that right there could begin to speak to me, if I achieve at the highest level, people will love me, I'm worthy of acceptance. I've earned something, right? So sometimes really big positive events can have a negative impact on us and kick us over into an unhealthy, like I have to perform, I have to keep up, I have to never be second, right? 
that's not healthy either. So I want you to ask the Lord if there's anything like that in your past. And then I want us to spend just a minute talking about how do we overcome. And tonight we're going to talk about the power to overcome with accountability, prayer, and praise. But today I want you to know that you have one offensive weapon. And it is called your sword. Okay? So I'm going to read you Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. His word divides and speaks truth. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So this is a weapon. It's a sword. And when this scripture says we take every thought captive it literally means that you hold it at the tip of a sword so when I have a thought that would be from the enemy like I am not worthy I am not loved I am alone I am anxious I am terrified all those things those thoughts have to obey Jesus and that scripture says we take captive every pretension and argument that would set itself up against the knowledge of God, elevate itself above the name of Jesus. And when I have a thought like that, I just have to say, does that align with the word of God? And hold it to the tip of my sword. If I am feeling alone and unloved, I'm going to use this and find scriptures that says I am accepted and that I am loved. And I'm going to write them down and I'm going to say them out loud to myself. If I feel anxious, I'm going to find scripture in here about peace. And I'm going to write them down. And when I start to feel anxious with my mouth, I'm going to say them out loud. That is holding those thoughts captive at the tip of my sword. But I have to learn to use my weapon. This is a part of the armor of God. If this wasn't a fight, the Lord would not have given you armor. You have armor. You are covered. You have a shield of faith. You're supposed to, out of the overflow of your cup, be able to hold up your shield of faith for your brother when he is exhausted and needs to put his faith down. I need to be able to say, I got you. Because someday I'm going to need you to hold your shield for me. That is how the body works together as the body. But ignoring that we have struggles and things that tempt us, or ignoring that we have negative emotions, or ignoring that we have past trauma, that doesn't get us anywhere. 
That's got us sticking band-aids all over open wounds all the time and they get stinkier every day. So I want you to know that you have a weapon to fight the enemy. You can silence him. You know, the scripture in Peter says he roams around like a roaring lion, but who is the lion? Jesus. He's the only one with a real roar. And he will roar on your behalf. Okay? So sometime before tonight, I want you to kind of think through um, those different questions. And again, don't dig around deep to try to find it. If you have any of them, you're going to know. If we desire to live and serve from a full cup, we have to know God and his love and grace. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit and then obey. Choose to live by the Spirit. And then use our sword, which is the Word of God. And then tonight we're going to talk about accountability, prayer, and praise. All right? Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you so much for this incredible group of young people. And God, I know that they have so many different things weighing on their hearts and on their minds. But God, I thank you that your Word does says that we hear your voice and we know you. And that's really all we need, God. We just want to hear what your direction is, and we will obey you. And we thank you for relationship, Jesus. And so we just say, God, that we do trust you, and we love you, and we're thankful for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.